Thank you for joining us for this broadcast from the Ninth Avenue Church of Christ in Haleyville, Alabama. We hope that you will subscribe and will share our broadcast with others. Now we take you to the pulpit of the Ninth Avenue Church of Christ. All right, can you hear me now? You are going to be able to hear me regardless, I promise you. It's the people online that I worry about a little bit. Um, it's so good to be here with you this morning. I hope that you have had a, a great week. Have you had a great week so far? Or end of the week? I mean, it's the first day of the week. If you're not having a great week so far, it's only going to go downhill from here, right? So I hope you've had a good week. I'm, I'm looking at the weather for the next week or so. Have you been paying attention to the weather? It's supposed to cool off next week. How many of you would be excited about something like that? Of course, cool off in Alabama means what? It's 100 and it's going to go to like 95, right? So it's going to be a little bit cooler over the next few days, and I hope that you enjoy that. So let's go to God in prayer, and then we're going to dive into some thoughts together. God, I thank you for today. I thank you for the chance to just to just be in your presence, to be able to study from your word, God. I thank you for this opportunity just to be with our church family. And I pray that as we move forward, uh, we continue to look for opportunities to be together in safe ways, God, but, but still figure out times to fellowship with each other, serve with one another. As we talked about last week, as we look for ways to be a get-up church, God, help us uh, to just be creative in our thoughts in this time uh, so that we can not let things slow us down, uh, but do things that still further your kingdom. Uh, be with us today as we talk about making the most of your time. Help us to understand what that means. Help us to apply it. Help us to live it every day. It's in your son's name we pray. Amen. All right. Well, I'm going to try to see if I can get my clicker working. Yeah, we're going to start right there. So over the last few weeks, you know, we've been talking about this idea of uh, it's time to get up and move. It's time to get up and do something. And uh, I'm going to tell you the reason that I've kind of gotten to that place is, you know, back in, in March, we everything shut down in March. And in March, it was just like, uh, we're not allowed to do anything. Like you, you felt bad if you walked outside of your house and like got in your car. You're like, am I in trouble? Am I doing something wrong? It's, you know, and so a lot of this shutdown, this social distancing stuff, it, it's trickled its way into, into our church environment to where, Really and truly, we've become a Sunday morning church, right? We've become a church that pretty much just meets together on Sunday morning, and then we kind of go our separate ways, and we do our own things. And we come back the next Sunday morning as opposed to regular church life that we were used to uh, kind of starting at the beginning of the year was a lot different than that. We were together a lot more often for a lot more things. And I understand the struggles of that during this time and the challenges of that, but one of the things that I truly believe, one of the things that I want you to believe and I want you to buy into is the fact that just because we're facing challenging moments doesn't mean the mission of the church stops. Do you agree with that? Just because we're facing challenging moments doesn't mean the mission of the church stops. So at the beginning of the year, I put these growth goals in front of you. Do you remember these from the beginning of the year? They really stuck, didn't they? I did a really good job with uh, really helping them settle in. But, you know, like I said, there's a lot that's happened since then until now. And so I set these goals in front of you at the beginning of the year, and I thought about these things 
uh, through this past week, I thought, you know, maybe this is a good place to maybe refocus back on. It's a good place to look at and say, okay, what are we trying to accomplish as the Ninth Avenue family this year? And this is what I wanted to remind you of. And we're going to continue to remind ourselves. We, we talked about at the beginning of the year that we wanted to come up with two new outreach events to reach into our community and try to make a difference. Now, you may think, well, Matthew, we really can't do any big events and stuff right now. Well, and I never said it had to be a big event, right? I never said it had to be this huge thing. We still, as a church, need to be trying to figure out ways to reach into our community and make a difference. And so I'm re-challenging you with that. I'm looking for a couple of ideas of some things that we can do to reach into our community and make a difference and let people know, hey, the Ninth Avenue Church is here for you. We're here. We want to make a difference in this community. We want you to know that we exist, that we're more than just this Sunday morning church that comes together and then goes our separate way. So I'm still looking for a couple of ideas. The next goal was to have 10 baptisms, and we started off the year great in that way, and then we've kind of trickled off. You know, it's kind of hard <coughs> in our minds sometimes to maybe really do personal evangelism when personal contact with people is limited. But I want you to know that in, in, the, in, in the church kind of circle, the, the, the Christian walk, the Christian world, you know, it used to be, it used to be that Sunday mornings um, at, at, at church were times where people just, you know, that, that was times when people met the Lord. Do you remember those times? You saw baptisms. You saw lots of responses uh, years ago. And, and it was, you know, worship service was really looked at a time where that was where the bulk of your evangelism was done as a church as well. People came to the worship service to hear what they needed to do to become a child of God. And, and, and the role of worship service, I think, in a lot of ways in our, in our church culture has shifted a little bit to where it's, it's not the main evangelistical point for people. And don't get me wrong, I think it's great for people to come and be with us, but I don't think our worship service scripturally is supposed to be that that evangelistical point. It, the way we live our lives is supposed to be the evangelistical point, okay? You're supposed to be able to show people and tell people how they become children of God. Not just me, not just me and not just on Sunday morning. It's something that we all are supposed to be able to do and that we need to be about. And so the reason I say all that is because if it's just left up to me to hit this goal of 10 baptisms this year, it's going to be hard for me to do this by myself. That's where you come in. That's where it's your job to reach out and to share your faith and to help other people come to know Jesus. And we're going to keep this goal going. We're going to remind ourselves of this, that we want to have more baptisms before this year's over. We're grateful for the ones that we've had, but we need to keep continuing and maybe get back in that groove to where that's a focal point for us as a church. And then the last thing is an average worship attendance of 200. Now, there again, that's a challenging thing. Our worship attendance has, has <clears throat> altered a little bit since the beginning of the year. And I wish that I had changed that particular slide because before we shut down, January and February, 
And if you add the, the couple of months before that, we were averaging 180 on Sunday morning. That's why we said 200 was going to be our goal by the end of the year on an average Sunday. Now, um, we've got half of our congregation that's, that's with us virtually this morning. And we keep track of that. We keep track of people who are here physically, and we combine those numbers. I still think that a, 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 a combined attendance of 100 between in-person and virtual worship is a great goal. We're almost right there. We're averaging in the 190s every Sunday between our two groups with the way that we're worshiping right now. And so I want to encourage you, to, to invite people to come be with us physically and also to encourage people to be on our Facebook Live uh, like we are right now. One great way to, to help encourage people and reach out to people is to share these things. When you sit down on the pew, get your phone out and share our worship service on your Facebook feed. And if you wanted to do that right now, that wouldn't hurt my feelings or Neil's feelings at all. Just take your phone out and share it. I do it every time we get ready to sit down. But... I want us to refocus on what our mission is as a church moving forward. That's important to me. It's important to our elders. It should be important to you. Most importantly, it's important to who? God. That we don't forget our mission. Now, as we segue that thought... I want to go to today's lesson of making God's time count. Because the way that we get really focused in on what our goals should be is remembering whose time we're using. It's remembering whose time we're using. Now, let me ask you just a couple of questions as we get started. You can show this by, by raising your hand. How many of you feel that by the end of the week you run out of time? Raise your hands. Any of you, by the end of the week, you run out of time, okay? So we got a handful here. How many of you have the majority of your week already planned out? It's Sunday morning. How many of you look in your week and the majority of your week is already planned out? How many of you look at it and you go, it's going to be a busy week. I might die before next week. Anybody feel that way? we got a few people, okay? So we, you know, time is a very valuable and a very precious thing, right? We, we have gotten into the habit in our lives where we try to cram 40 hours worth of work in, 20, in a 24-hour period. We try to get as much done, as much accomplished. We just, we just go and go and go until we run out of time. We're guilty of that, aren't we? We're guilty of just pushing and pushing and pushing until we can't push anymore. I want you to go to Psalms chapter 90 with me for a moment. Psalms chapter 90. The majority of the Psalms is written by a man by the name of, you have to speak louder so I can hear you through your mask, by David, okay? Now, in Psalms chapter 90, all of a sudden we've got, a sudden change of authorship, and it's from a man named Moses. How many of you know a man named Moses from Scripture? We see Moses do a lot of things, don't we? We see a lot of stories of Moses, but we don't get a lot of just insight into what's going on in Moses' mind. But in Psalms chapter 90, Moses writes down some thoughts, and we get to kind of hear Moses' heart a little bit. And I want you to follow with me. He says, Lord, you have been our dwelling place throughout all generations. Before the mountains were born 
You brought forth the whole world from everlasting to everlasting. You are God. You turn people back to dust, saying, return to dust, you mortals. A thousand year in your sights are like a day that has gone by or like a watch in the night. Yet you sweep people away in their sleep of death. They are like new grass of the morning. In the morning it springs up new, but by evening it is dry and withered. We are consumed by your anger and terrified by your indignation. You have set our iniquities before you, our secret sin and the light of your presence. All our days pass away under your wrath. We finish our years with a moan. Our days may come to 70 years or 80 if our strength endures, yet the best of them are but trouble and sorrow, for they quickly pass away and we fly away. If only we knew the power of, of your anger. Your wrath is as great as the fear that is your due. Teach us to number our days that we may gain a heart of wisdom. You know where Moses was when he wrote that? In the middle of the what? In the middle of the desert, wandering around. And during that time, an entire generation of people died. It was Death was a constant thing that happened for the people of Israel as they wandered in the desert. And as you read, and you can keep on reading the rest of it later, but as you read especially verse 1 through verse 12, you kind of get this moment that Moses is sitting down and he's just thinking about the time that has passed, the significance of the time that has passed, and the significance of the time that is ahead. And he's kind of contemplating what all of it means. And, and he's thinking and he's praying. And I think that today is a good day. In a time that we wonder what tomorrow's going to hold, we're curious about um, school starting, okay? We're curious about what our next month's going to look like. We're curious what the weeks ahead, the year ahead is going to look like. We're very much like Moses sitting here thinking, what, what are we going to do with our time? that we remember that it's not our time, rather it's God's time. And how do we make God's time count? Well, let's talk about a few things. The first thing is I want you to think about God's time in view of your personal family time, of your personal family time. Now, let me paint a, a picture with words and, and raise your hand if this describes your week sometimes as a family. Um, Family time is spent in a car running from event to event or ball game to ball game or school function to school function to church function. Any of you have weeks like that where it's just from here to here to there. Any of our families work like that. You're, you're running from, from place to place and, and supper usually ends up being served in a brown bag. Any of you have weeks like that? And the biggest decision you make as a family is whether you want fries or a baked potato. Any of you have weeks like that? Okay, you know, that, that describes a lot of weeks as families, that it's just busy. It's just one thing after another after another. And I know that as, as my kids get older, the busyness of our family is just going to increase more and more and more. But one of the most important things that you can do with God's time is to make sure that you spend time together as a family and that you make that time Count As you go back and you read from Genesis to Revelation, one of the things that is, is just a huge thing, is so important, 
in Scripture are family relationships. Family relationships. The, the people of Israel were born out of what? One single family. Which in essence, the Christian faith was born out of what? One single family who was faithful, who was devoted, who understood what it meant to be a follower of God. And as you read through the stories of the Bible, you see how important family really is. Now, as we think about how important family is, one of the things I want to stress to you this morning, especially to our young families, is the importance of how we raise our children. The importance of how we raise our children. There is a individual that, that I grew up with uh, in the he was there in the church at Savannah as I grew up. And as, as he grew up, or as his son grew up, they were huge baseball guys. Uh, he, he loved playing baseball. He played all kinds of baseball, played travel ball, did all these, these I mean, if, if, you could, if there was a place to play baseball on the weekend, that's where they were. And he was successful at that. He got a Division I college scholarship, went and played Division I college baseball. He wasn't good enough to go pr play professionally, but he became a baseball coach. And now he is working up the ranks uh, of professional baseball. He is a coach in minor league baseball now. And, and from everything that I've heard, it's only a matter of time before he breaks into the big leagues as a coach. And if you sit and talk to his dad today, he will tell you that he did a great job of raising a baseball player, but he did a pitiful job of raising a Christian. That what he pushed on his son is what his son found to be the most important. I'm going to share with you a thought that I heard a few years ago that really has struck me and that I think is so important. And for our families, I want you to think about this. Your greatest contribution to the kingdom may not be something you do, but someone you raise. Listen to that and let that sink in again. Your greatest contribution to the kingdom of God may not be something you do, but someone you raise. I want all of our kids, of course, most of them are up in the balcony, but I want all of our kids to stand up this morning. All of our kids stand up. And I want everybody to turn around and look around at our kids. How important are these young people? What role do they play? All the little kids are still standing up. The big kids are like, I'm sitting down. Y'all can all sit down. Raising these kids to do important things in the kingdom of God is more important than raising your kids to be anything else. As a church, we need to create an environment to where we help these families raise spiritual leaders future elders, future Bible class teachers, future preachers. Listen, the youth group that I grew up in, there was just a, there was a time at Savannah where, where we were hitting all cylinders. It was a great thing. The youth group that I grew up in, <coughs> from me and a few years ahead of me, out of that group produced four preachers and seven missionaries. Four preachers and seven missionaries out of about a seven-year period. That is great church work right there. That is raising kids to do what they need to do, to become the children of God that they need to become. But parents, for that to happen, what does your focus have to be? This. 
Your focus has to be here. Your focus has to be the kingdom of God so that you can raise your children to be that spiritual leader, that spiritual rock in the church. And it's not just about raising future preachers. It's not just about raising the guys to be, listen, some of the greatest influences in my life have been Christian women. Now, they're not leaders per se in the church. There's a lady that I think of all the time when I think about the Bible, and her name's Ann West. And she's an old lady in Arkansas, and we had Tuesday night Bible studies. And I always wanted to sit beside Miss Ann because the comments that she made under her breath during Bible study were the best comments made all night long. And I was the one teaching, and I thought I made pretty good comments. And a lot of times I just repeat what Miss Ann said. Ladies, men of this church, regardless of how old you are, you have great impact on our young people. You can be, you can be their rocks. You can be the people that they turn and lean on when life gets difficult. You can help us raise these great, these great future Christians if it's a priority for you. And I hope that it is because we need to be raising things, children that make an impact in our church for years to come. Let's keep going. I could talk about that all day, but I don't have time for that today. Because that's one thing that people really fuss about is how much time the preacher preaches, right? They fuss about that. I've never had anybody fuss about a short sermon. Never. But long ones always get them riled up. Let's keep going. The next thing that we need to focus on is church family time. Church family time. You know, one of the most disappointing things that I've ever heard is I come to church to worship God, not to have relationships. I had a guy tell me that one time. I come to church to worship God, not to have relationships. He goes, I have relationships with a lot of other people and they don't have anything to do with church. And those are the best relationships. That is just sad to me. I mean, like you've heard me say before, this, this church thing is voluntary. And my job is to try to convince you that it's the most important thing that you can give yourself to for your whole life. That is essentially my job. I'm going to win a few, and I'm going to lose a few, and some of you are going to fall right in between and kind of be wishy-washy sometimes. But this guy was like, look, I come to church on Sunday. I come and I worship, and I go and live my life. I don't have to have relationships with my church family. But if you start in the book of Acts and read through the book of Acts, a lot of amazing things happen. They don't happen with just one person. The most amazing things in the book of Acts happen in groups of people. One of my favorite stories in the book of Acts is Peter is in jail. And all the Christians are in one place and they're praying. They're praying that Peter will be released from prison. They're, they're praying that everything will be okay. They're praying to God. And during the middle of their prayer, this powerful group of people, they're praying for Peter. And all of a sudden they hear... And the servant goes to the door, and he goes, hey, it's me, open the door. And she's like, I don't believe this. So she goes and gets someone else. And so as they're praying that Peter will be taken care of, what does God do? God, God frees him from prison. And he comes and shows them. 
How awesome is a prayer, an answered prayer like that? How would that make you feel that you're praying about it and then the God just shows up at your door? It's amazing. But the prayer, the prayer was powerful because it was by a group of people together. Paul, when he goes on mission trips, does he go on mission trips by himself? No. Matter of fact, Paul doesn't even get arrested by himself. Paul says, if I'm going to prison, I'm going to take someone with me. You know, we're going to do this as a group. Arrests were, were, were group practices for Paul. Acts chapter 2, verses 42 through 47, you see this new mega church. The church started out as a mega church, right? It was these couple of thousand people in Jerusalem that had become Christians one day, and they, and they go into the temple courts. How often do they go to the temple courts in Acts chapter 2 and, and study and devote themselves? How often do they go? Daily. They get together daily. You know, if we started the, the, the practice of getting together daily, a lot of you would come up with excuses of why you can't get together daily with your church family. You would. But I'm going to tell you something here. Getting together daily and spending time and fellowshipping with your church family doesn't always have to be about church. It doesn't always have to be about what goes on in this building. Okay, some of my favorite times of fellowship, some of my favorite times of fellowship, probably my most favorite times of fellowship, is eating fellowship. This is what I mean by that. You take a group of guys, guys, how many, how many of our guys here today are just you're just really good at sharing your feelings. How many of you? None of you? You put a stake in front of a guy and distract him, he'll talk to you about anything. Stacy goes, I will too. <laughs> you get a group of guys on a bus and go to the barbecue restaurant, you know what, you're going to have great conversations about guys sharing things. Fellowship doesn't happen in this room. It doesn't. The thing that you do better than anything in this room is learn what the back of the head of the person sitting in front of you looks like. That's what you do the best in this room. True fellowship happens outside of this room. It happens when we get together to serve. It happens when we get together to, to cook meals for the congregation. Um, Where's Jamie? A couple of months ago, Jamie and I spent 24 hours nearly at this building barbecuing together. We couldn't get anybody else to stay the whole time. I don't know why. But we did. And you know what we did? We had some, I learned a lot about Jamie that night. I learned that the first time that Stephanie ever adjusted his neck, she thought she killed him. And he told her, no matter what you do, don't ever ask me, are you okay after you get finished doing it? You know, we got to share things with each other. Spending time with our church family is vitally important. We're going to spend eternity with each other, so we need to get to know one another. But I want to encourage you to look for opportunities. Ask each other out to dinner. Ask people over to your house to have meals. Whatever it is, make time to be with one another. Here's the last thing. No, next to last thing. Personal time with God. 
personal time with God. Our scripture that we read this morning was very short, but very familiar. What, what did our passage say from Psalms 46 this morning? Be still and what? Know that I'm God. This is what he says in the Matthew paraphrase here. Hey, slow down and remember who I am. Slow down and remember who I am. We can get to where, let's, let's go back to that, that fast-paced life. We can get to where we're moving so fast and in a thousand different directions that we forget how powerful God is because we don't take time to slow down and remember who he is. Do you ever know who lived the most important life ever in this world? Who was it? Jesus. Jesus, John, I love what you said this morning about how Jesus knew what was coming. Jesus knew what was coming. Now, not just in that moment in, uh, in the garden up, in, up on the mount there. He knew the whole time that he was living each day walking to the cross. But have you ever noticed how Jesus never gets in a hurry? Have you ever noticed that about his ministry? You may correct me, but I think I'm right here. Do you ever see Jesus run anywhere in Scripture? No, never. Jesus is walking. So on, on his way, on his last trip to Jerusalem, on his last trip to Jerusalem, as he's walking that way with literally the weight of the world on his shoulders, there's a couple of guys that just out of the blue he stops and, and, and deals with. One of them is Barnabas, and Barnabas is sitting on the side of the road, blind, just yelling like an animal at Jesus, and people are coming up to him going, Hey, hush! <clears throat> Jesus doesn't have time for you. And Jesus says, no, stop, stop. And he stops, and he has a life-changing conversation with this guy. You know who the other guy is? The other guy's named Zacchaeus. This sinner, short tax collector that's climbed up a tree to see Jesus, and, and not only does he just stop and have a conversation with him, he goes to his house. He's on his way to the cross to save the world, and he takes time for two individuals. Jesus wasn't in a hurry. Jesus never rushed. And it's amazing how many times you look in the story of Jesus that he also stops what he's doing and he pulls away and he spends time with who? God. By himself. I, I don't know what your personal time with God looks like. For some of you, there may not be any. This may be it. This may, this may be it. You're hoping for an all-you-can-eat buffet on Sunday, and you're going to gorge yourself because you're not going to have any time with him the rest of the week, and you're going to hope that this lasts. But I'm going to tell you, it's not going to. It's not going to last the rest of the week, this one hour, or however long we're here this morning. Find time for God. Find time to pray. Find time to read. Find time to just contemplate and meditate and just slow down. You find time to do a lot of things. You're going to find time. How many of you are going to find time to watch sports this week? We've not had sports in two months. And over the next three weeks, all of our professional sports are going to come back. How many of you are going to find time to watch sports this week? I am. Yeah. <laughs> that was mine. I'm going to find time to watch Atlanta Braves baseball at some point nearly every night there on TV. I'm going to. Just what I'm going to do. 
If college football rolls around, how many of you are going to find time to watch your team play football? Yeah. How many of you are going to find time to eat this week? Have I ever told you what my granddaddy told me about eating? It's my favorite thing he ever said. He said, days can be crazy. He goes, you worry about three things and everything else falls into place. I go, well, what are those? He goes, breakfast, lunch, and dinner. He goes, you get those three things figured out and everything else will fall into place. Listen, you find time to spend time with God every day. Everything else is going to fall into place. I don't know how long we've been going. Let's, let's wrap up here. Find time to serve others. I want you to go to Matthew chapter 25 with me. Matthew chapter 25. And verse 31. It says, When the Son of Man comes at His glory, and all the angels with Him, I don't know about you, this is a side note. I used to be afraid of the thought of, of Jesus coming back. But the older I've gotten, the more mature I am in my faith. I want to be here with my own eyes to see that. Like, I do. I want to see Jesus come back while I'm still alive. Some of you may feel that way. Some of you may not. I feel that way. Because I want to see this amazing image. Then we'll all see what happens starting in verse 32. All the nations will be gathered before him. And he will separate the people one from another as a shepherd, shepherd separates the sheep from the goats. He will put the sheep on his right hand and the goats on his left. Now, what he's fixing to do is he's fixing to say to those on the right, this is the reason that you're going to spend eternity with me. And to the ones on the left, he's going to say, this is the reason you're not going to spend eternity with me. And I want you to listen real carefully to what he says. Then the king will say to those on his right, Come, you who are blessed by my father, take your inheritance. The kingdom prepared for you since the creation of the world. <clears throat> for I was hungry, and you gave me something to eat. I was thirsty, and you gave me something to drink. I was a stranger, and you invited me in. I needed clothes, and you clothed me. I was sick, and you, took, you looked after me. I was in prison, and you came to visit me. Then the righteous will answer him, Lord, when did we see you hungry and feed you or thirsty and give you something to drink? When did we see you a stranger and invite you in or needing clothes and clothe you? When did we see you sick or in prison and go visit you? The king will reply, truly I say, whatever you did to one of the least of these brothers and sisters of mine, you did for me. And then basically he's going to look at the guys on the left and he's going to repeat that same thing and say, you didn't do these things, therefore you don't get to inherit the kingdom of God. Now, I think it's interesting and I don't want you to misunderstand what I'm fixing to say because sometimes I say things and if you're not listening, you misunderstand them and you hear something completely different and I don't want that this morning, okay? But I want you to think about something with me. We put a lot of emphasis on this hour, don't we? of getting things right in this hour, of making sure we're singing the right way and preaching the right things and, and behaving the right way. But I'm going to tell you something this morning. Jesus didn't come and die on this earth for an hour every week. He didn't. 
But yet we make this hour one of, if not the most important things we do all week long. But you know what Matthew 25 says? Matthew 25 says all of you who are coming into the kingdom, it doesn't have anything to do with your order of worship. Eric said something really interesting this morning as he was leading singing. He goes, I got some short songs, so we're going to go back to the way we used to do the order, you know, the, the, the official way, you know. You know, we get into these routines and we get these traditions that the song service happens a certain way. The worship service happens in a certain order. If we change that up, we've done something wrong because that's not how we always do it. Okay? He doesn't mention anything about what's happened in this room this morning as being the reason we get to spend eternity with God. What does he say affects that? The way we serve other people. The way we serve other people. How much serving are we really doing as a church? How much serving are we really doing as a church? If we were to weigh out the time we spent serving versus the time we spent worshiping, don't get me wrong, our worship is important. Okay, it is. The early church came together and they did that. We need to come together and do that. But if we measure out how much we're serving others versus how much time we're spending in a room together with each other sitting, okay, we talked about that last week, how, well, what, what outweighs each other? Well, up until the last few months, just being in this room outweighs the service more than likely. And Jesus says, hey, you get to come into the kingdom not because of your worship, but because of your what? Your service to other people. That grabs Matthew. That makes Matthew realize that I come to work and sit in my office and prepare for worship because that's what Christians do. That's what preachers do. But what do I need to be doing more of? I need to be doing more serving. I need to be serving you more regularly. That needs to be the focus of my ministry. Not these 20 or 30 minutes. Because Jesus says, what gets you in the kingdom is what you do for others. What did you do for others last week? And what needs to change for you to do more for them this coming week. I'm going to tell you that there are some great servants in this church that I've already met, and I know there's more of you. But what if we were all known as great servants? If we were all known as great servants, this hour would, 200 would not even begin to be our numbers on Sunday mornings. It would be so much more than that. Because if we serve others, people are going to want to be here with us. So let's become a serving church. Like I said, I'm not saying that this time's not important. I'm just saying Jesus said there may be some other things that are maybe a little more important. All right. Mine are done this morning, so that means I need to be done too. I hope that you've enjoyed our time with one another this morning. Over the last few weeks, I've tried to challenge myself to get back in a, in a direction of, of moving, of saying that enough of just sitting still, of, of being quarantined, of just Sunday morning, enough of that. I understand the challenges, don't get me wrong. I don't, I don't want us all 
you know, to get sick and die. I don't want that. But the mission still goes on. The mission still goes on. We've got to make the time, make God's time count so that we can continue on in our mission. And I hope and I pray that you will be convicted to feel the same way and to do the same thing. Let's go to God in prayer as we close our time together. God, I thank you for every moment that we have that comes from you. I thank you for the blessing of life. And I thank you for the blessings that you give us so that hopefully we can use those blessings to reach out to other people and to bring them closer to you, God. Help us, God, to live an intentional life, living in a positive direction, making the most of your time so that we can serve others, so that we can spend time with one another, so that we can grow our families in a spiritual way. We thank you for today, God. We thank you for Jesus. We thank you for his sacrifice. We thank you for the hope that is in that. And I pray, God, that, that we will never live a single day without appreciating that sacrifice. Thank you for that so much. It's in your son's name we pray. Amen. If there's anything you need this morning, come as we stand and as we sing together. If this program has been beneficial to you, please consider subscribing on YouTube, Apple Podcasts, or your favorite podcast provider. Also, we'd love for you to leave us a five-star review, which will greatly assist us in getting the message of God's love and salvation to others. We'd love even more for you to join us in person. We are located at 2309 9th Avenue in Haleyville, Alabama. Our Sunday worship services are at 10.30 a.m. and 6 o'clock p.m. with Bible classes on Sunday mornings at 9.30 and Wednesday evenings at 6.30. You can also check us out on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. Be sure to join us again, and until then, remember, we are a Church of Christ caring for its